word Saul means Saul. And if you looked in that psalm, there was a, basically that was a song from the Psalms. And so appreciate that. And uh, we want to continue to magnify the Lord this morning. And so if you would take your Bible, if you're able to stand this morning, we're in Romans chapter number eight, Romans chapter number eight. And uh, every month, of course, I don't know about you, it's hard to believe it's August the 1st today, isn't it? And But yet this, this year is flying by. And so if you have your Bibles there, Romans chapter eight this morning, if hopefully you receive one of the outlines in, in the bulletin this morning. If not, they're out on the table if you want to grab one. But you can follow the message uh, through the outline this morning and, of course, have your Bible in hand. There's a lot of uh, scripture we'll look at this morning that is given to you. But uh, this month we're focusing, and I don't think it's no accident, that uh, many, many months ago, matter of fact, in la- uh, the end of last year, God put the theme on my heart for the month of August is to magnify the Spirit. So this morning we'll start that. I mentioned we have the special refresh meeting. So next Sunday we'll step away from that. We have a special speaker, and I know that the Spirit of God will use him to help us, and then we'll come back to it the last three Sundays of this month. But that's what we want to do is magnify the Spirit. So this morning we're going to look at the ministry of the Spirit. If we're going to be refreshed, we have to understand the role of the Holy Spirit in our lives as Christians. And so I hope that that you'll open your heart this morning to understand his role in your life. And I'm glad for the Spirit of God. I think what's happened in in recent days, maybe it's been years now, is we as Bible-believing Christians have let others uh, kind of uh, come up with things that are, again, I believe, uh, find very little foundation in the Word of God to steer us away from teaching and preaching on the Spirit of God. But we sang that song this morning, we believe in a triune God, God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. And so we need to understand the Holy Spirit's role in our lives, and may God help us to understand that through His Word, by His Spirit this morning. So in Romans chapter 8, if you'll follow along with me, two verses for our text, verse 26, verse 27. The Bible says, likewise... The Spirit also helpeth our infirmities, for we know not what we should pray for as we ought, but the Spirit itself maketh intercession for us with groanings which cannot be uttered. And he that searcheth the hearts knoweth what is the mind of the Spirit, because he maketh intercession for the saints according to the will of God. And when we come to Romans chapter number 8, And the book of Romans is a rich book. But when we come to Romans chapter number 8, really God is introducing us to the Holy Spirit of God, the ministry of the Spirit of God. And so with God's help this morning, we want to learn more about the ministry of the Holy Spirit. Let's pray. God, thank you for your spirit. And I pray that he would have liberty this morning to help us to understand his role in our lives now that we are in Christ. Lord, I pray that you bless our time. God, may we benefit and grow this morning. We ask all this in Jesus' name. Amen. You may be seated this morning. Well, when you come to Romans 8, you can't miss the very first verse in Romans 8. And I want you to look at it there in your notes, in your Bible, or on the screen there. The Bible says, There is therefore now no condemnation. 
to them, notice, who are in Christ Jesus, who walk not after the flesh, but after the Spirit. Now, that's the Christian life. And, and the, the truth is, is that we who are in Christ, in other words, saved, understand that there is no condemnation. That means that when God looks at us because of what Jesus did for us, and because by faith we've trusted Christ as our Savior, God says, says to us, you are no longer guilty. God says that you are not guilty of sin. Now, again, it's not because of anything we have done, not by works of righteousness, which we have done, but according to His mercy, He saves us. And the Bible says, again, look at this, there is no condemnation to them which are in Christ Jesus, who walk not after the flesh, but after the Spirit. See, our sins have been washed away by the shed blood of Jesus Christ. Those who are in Christ, the Bible says, should be walking after the Spirit and not after the flesh. Now, that's, that's something that I think all of us struggle with because, watch this, we're saved, but we're still in this earthly body, right? And this old flesh loves to stray. And the Bible says that we are to walk in the Spirit and not according to the flesh. Now, in the New Testament, the Spirit-filled life, see, the Holy Spirit wants to control our lives, not in a bad sense, but in a good sense. And as we yield to the Spirit's leading in our lives, that should become the norm and not the abnorm. See, in other words, it should be a normal thing that a Christian should want to walk in the Spirit. Can I get an amen this morning? So understand that we who are in Christ, there is no condemnation. We should be walking in the Spirit, not according to the flesh. We are to live out the Christian life in the power of the Spirit of God. Because listen, as a saved person, you and I live in a very sinful world. This world is a wicked place. And that's why we need, listen, we need to be walking in the Spirit so that we do not fulfill the lust of the flesh. Romans 6, 11, look at this verse. Likewise, reckon ye also yourselves to be, what's that next word? Dead indeed unto what? Sin, but alive unto God through Jesus Christ our Lord. So when we look at this verse, being dead unto sin is impossible without the quickening power of the Spirit of God. Because every day our flesh gives in. We need the quickening power of the Holy Spirit of God to help us to be dead indeed unto sin. Now listen, I know a lot of times uh, people think, well, I can just discipline myself so that I don't give into it. I'm all about living a disciplined life. I try to have a schedule. I try to, I, I think as a Christian, we ought to be disciplined in our Bible reading. We ought to be disciplined in our prayer time. We ought to be disciplined in our attendance to the house of God and witnessing for the Lord. I think that there ought to be some good habits and goals in our lives, but that's not the key to the Christian life. The key to the Christian life is learning to yield to the Spirit, to allow the Spirit to have His way in our lives, to listen to the Spirit, or as Paul put it, to walk in the Spirit and in the power and presence of the Holy Spirit. 
So with God's help this morning from these verses in Romans chapter 8, together let's learn this matter of how the Spirit helps us to walk in a Christ-like way. See, when you got saved, you're in Christ, the Bible says that you are a Christian. That means that the way you live should be a Christ-like way. So notice, first of all, that the Holy Spirit helps us with our problems. Anybody else in here besides me have problems? <laughs> my problem's not my wife. My problem is me. All right? Uh, I don't know about you, but my biggest problem is myself, day in and day out. And we face many problems in life. But I want you to look back at our text in verse 26. Look what it says. Likewise, the Spirit also helpeth our infirmities. So what is the Bible telling us there in verse 26? The Holy Spirit is our helper. The Holy Spirit is our comforter. Well, listen, that's a great thing, but it's even better when infirmities come along. We'll talk a little bit more in a minute about what that word really means. But listen, you know, another word we can use is the word problems. See, when infirmities come, what does the Spirit do? The Holy Spirit helps us. The Bible says the Spirit also helpeth our infirmities. See, a lot of us have experienced challenges in life. Sometimes it's been physical weaknesses and other things that we face in life. So the Holy Spirit, how does He help us? Notice, first of all, He abides with us. That, to me, is a blessing in and of itself. That means that the Holy Spirit of God is constantly with us. Remember what Jesus said? He said, I will never leave you nor forsake you. Well, when Jesus sent the Spirit to be with us, the Bible tells us that the Holy Spirit helps us. He abides with us. Notice Romans chapter 8, that chapter we're in, verse number 9. But ye are not in the flesh, but in the Spirit, if so be that the Spirit of God dwell in you. That means at the moment you trusted Christ as your Savior, the Holy Spirit of God took up residence in your life. He dwelleth in you. Now, what's the alternative to being a Christian with the Holy Spirit? Notice the end of verse number 9. If any man have not the Spirit of Christ, he is none of his. So if you're saved this morning, you have the Spirit of God. He dwells in you, and he helps us as he's with us with our problems. Now, Jesus put it this way. When Jesus was about to go to the cross, and he was spending time with his disciples before he gave his life for the sins of the entire world. The Bible says that Jesus said this to his disciples in John 14. Look at it. I will pray the Father, and he shall give you, notice this word, another comforter. So Jesus was making reference to the fact that he was a comfort to them. But he says, look, I'm going away to prepare a place for you, and I'm going to send you another comforter. The Bible says, look at it, that he, that comforter that would come, may abide with you for how long? For how long? Forever. So no matter where you go, no matter how long you live, no matter what happens in your life, how long is the Holy Spirit of God going to be with you? Forever. Jesus said, look, I, I know that I'm not going to be here much longer. But he says, I will tell you this, that the Holy Spirit, remember God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. 
that the Spirit will be with you. He will abide with you forever. Isn't that a blessing? To know God is always with you in a permanent blessing in, in His presence in our lives. Now notice what Jesus went on to say in John 14, 17. Even the Spirit of truth. He referred to the Spirit of God as the Spirit of truth. He says, whom the world cannot receive, because it seeth him not, neither knoweth him. But ye know him, for he dwelleth with you and shall be in you. And when you look at those words, again, to me, it's, it's a wonderful thing to know the, the abiding presence of God in our lives. But if you look back in the, your Bible and in your reading and studying of the Old Testament of the Bible, here's what you find is, is that the Holy Spirit at certain times, in certain situations, on certain individuals would come down for a specific time or period, and then the Holy Spirit of God would then go back up from them. So in other words, the Holy Spirit of God was not there in a permanent dwelling like we see in the New Testament. Now, after the day of Pentecost, which we find in the book of Acts, the Holy Spirit of God came down, watch this, as the Son of God went up. So Jesus came, he spent his life on this earth, he gave his life for the sins of the world, and when Jesus ascended, the Holy Spirit of God came on the day of Pentecost. From that time till this present time, when a person trusts Christ as their Savior, the Holy Spirit abides with them. And Jesus referred to him as the Spirit of truth. And he says, this world that we live in today, unsaved people do not receive the Spirit of truth. They don't have the Holy Spirit of God. If you think back in your life, I can remember what it was like before I was saved, and I did not have the Spirit of truth. The unsaved man or woman does not have the presence of the Holy Spirit of God in their life. But the Bible does say for those of us that are in Christ, that the Holy Spirit, look at this, helpeth us. That's a wonderful word. How many of you need help this morning? <laughs> I know I do. And I've got a lot of great friends and I've got a wonderful wife that helped me. But no one helps me like God. This, this helping is, is making reference to He guides us. He is the one that encourages us. If you look up the word comforter, it's actually the word parakaleos. There are, these are compound words that, that God put together. And I know a lot of times people think, well, what does that mean, Pastor? Well, it means to come alongside of. There are some churches today that call themselves the paraclete church. There's songs in the songbook, the comforter has come. A lot of times people think, well, I don't really understand how to make application with that, Pastor. Well, some of you might understand and know what a paramedic is, right? So if somebody is hurt in an accident or somebody maybe has an uh, issue with their heart or somebody's medication's off or uh, whatever it might be, sometimes you'll hear a siren and you'll see maybe maybe a, an ambulance coming coming to the scene of an accident or someone that's that's hurting or in your complex and people get out of those paramedics get out of that ambulance they come inside 
or they come to that person, they come alongside of them to help them. Well, the Holy Spirit of God is the paraclete. He comes alongside of us to guide us, to encourage us, to help us. Listen, I'm glad for the ministry of the Holy Spirit of God in my life, how He helps me. He comes alongside of me during uh, problems that I face in life. I I think to myself, where would I be without God's Holy Spirit? And so I think about how the Spirit helps us with our problems because He abides with us, but notice He also assists us. When I think about this, again, the Bible says that He helpeth us with our infirmities. Now, let me talk to you about this word because you need to understand the Bible. We don't need to take words out of the Word of God. We just need to define them as God gave them. We need to understand the Word of God as God has given it to us. And the word here means a want of strength. Well, the reason you want strength is because you're weak. You ever had a moment like that in your life? You ever felt that way? I know the the older I get, the more weak I feel. Uh, But I'll tell you this, spiritually speaking, there's been many times, I tell people often, and it is true, I sit up here every Sunday feeling insignificant and not worthy and don't deserve to stand behind this sacred desk. Because I'm opening, I, I walked in this auditorium this morning and I was praying, God, this is your house. A spiritual battle is going to take place in this room, and we need your help. And the Spirit of God and the power of God's Spirit and the presence of God's Spirit can assist us. It can help us in moments of weakness, in trials. Paul testified about this in 2 Corinthians chapter 12. He said it this way, for this thing. Notice, the Bible never says what his thing is. You could put your thing there whatever it may be in your life. But notice Paul says, for this thing I besought the Lord, how many times? Three times. Not once. Say, listen, pastor, you don't know how many times I've prayed the Lord. You don't know how many times I've asked God. Paul says, I prayed three times. Now, I just want you to see this, because I know if you're like me, you've read this verse or these verses many times. Notice as we read on, he says, I besought the Lord thrice that it, whatever that thing was, that it might depart from me. In other words, I don't want it in my life. I don't, I have no desire to have this in my life. And he says, I've asked God three times to take this out of my life. But notice, and he said unto me, sounds to me like God was listening. And his answer was, my grace is sufficient for thee. For my strength is made perfect in what? In weakness. Now notice the next verse. Paul writes, most gladly therefore. In other words, okay, Lord, you gave me this thing. I've asked you three times. He says, you have chosen not to take. Notice Paul didn't pray a fourth time. He didn't ask God a fifth time. He didn't ask God six times. He says, I most gladly therefore will glory in my infirmities that the power of Christ may rest upon me. Therefore, I take pleasure 
in infirmities, in reproaches, in necessities, in persecutions, in distresses for Christ's sake. For when I am weak, then am I what? Strong. See, listen, you don't, you don't see statements like that. You don't hear about that in the secular world. When I'm weak, then am I strong? What, what, what do you see in the secular world? It's all about how strong we can be. Paul says, listen, God brought this into my life. I have no idea why. I asked him. God says, look, my grace, I'll help you. My spirit will help you. Just trust me, Paul. And Paul says, well, you know what then? I'm just going to glory in this. He says, I'm just going to accept this. And only a Christian, listen, only a Christian in a moment of weakness finds strength. I, I personally have seen some of our members that have had trials and they have stayed so faithful to God. Do you know he's God all the time? God is not attracted to our strengths. He's attracted to our weaknesses and when we go through these moments of weakness in trials. The Holy Spirit sees that He can be magnified through our trials. And, and again, when I think about this, someone, as I look at our members, that has been helping them as they've been going through their infirmities, as they've been facing these moments of weakness, the Holy Spirit has been assisting them in their trials, but He assists us also in our weakness, in our wisdom. You know, I, I said to somebody a while back, I said, wisdom does not come with gray hair. I've known a lot of older people that have no wisdom. You know where wisdom comes from? The Lord. Wisdom comes from the Lord. Get wisdom and get understanding. And see, we are weak many times in our wisdom. Paul was dealing with the young church in Corinth. And many believe this church was about six years old. And I realize any time that I'm preaching or teaching in church, I realize that there's always going to be a mixture of people in the services. Some people might not know Christ as their Savior. Some people may be new babes in Christ. They've recently been saved. Some people may have been saved maybe for a few years. Some people may have been saved for quite some time. Paul was talking to people that had newly been saved. And he writes here, notice in second, uh, second chapter 2 of 1 Corinthians in verse number 9, the Bible says when you think about weakness and wisdom, it says that it is written, I have not seen nor ear heard, neither has entered into the heart of man the things which God hath prepared for them that love him, but God hath revealed them unto us by his Spirit. See, that's why we need the Spirit of God. Because in our lack of wisdom, in our moments of weakness to do wise things, God says, I will show those things to you by my Spirit. Notice, for the Spirit searcheth all things, yea, the deep things of God. So in times of difficulty or infirmities or problems or whatever you want to call it, I look, if you're like me or anybody else, I guarantee you, you have asked some questions. Lord, why? Why did you allow this to happen? Why are we going through this? What are you trying to show me? Sure, the questions come. But what is God saying here to those in Corinth? Same thing he's saying to us this morning. That I will show you 
I will reveal those things unto you by my Spirit. Notice what the Bible says in Galatians 5.16. This I say then, walk in the Spirit. Now watch this. And ye shall not fulfill the lust of the what? Of the flesh. So it's all a matter of walking in the Spirit. God will reveal those things unto us by His Spirit. Practice the presence of the Holy Spirit in your, God, in your life on a daily basis. It's kind of like what somebody came up with years ago, WWJD. What would Jesus do? Well, you know what the Spirit does for us? The Holy Spirit of God always points us to what would Jesus do. Go with me back to 1 Corinthians chapter 2. Look at verse number 12. The Bible says, now ye, we have received, watch this, what have we received? Not the Spirit of the world, but we've received the Spirit which is of God, that we might know the things that are freely given unto us of God, which things also we speak, not in the words of man's wisdom, when man's wisdom teacheth, but which the Holy Ghost teacheth, comparing spiritual things with spiritual, but the natural man, when you see that phrase there, natural man, that's talking about an unsaved person, the Bible uses that terminology, the natural man receiveth not the things of the Spirit of God, for they are foolishness unto him, neither can he know them, because they are spiritually discerned. So watch this, you ever heard somebody say, you know, like we recently have had some bids on various things here at the church, and and had this company come and give us a bid, and this company come and give us a bid on the same thing. And, and a lot of times, what they do is they'll give us a price, but you know they use different material, they're going to do it a little bit different or whatever. And so a lot of times, we compare them, and we want to look at, okay, we want to match this with this. Like sometimes you hear people say, uh, comparing apples with apples. You ever heard something like that? Oranges with oranges and so on. Well, listen, as a Christian, when we lack wisdom, we need the Holy Spirit of God to help us to compare that which is spiritual to that which is spiritual. I'm not interested in man's wisdom. You know, this morning you came to church. This is God's house. And I'm not about to stand up here and give you what I think. I want to give you what thus saith the Lord. And so as we, as we search the scriptures this morning, we find that the Christian life cannot be lived without the guidance of the Holy Spirit. You cannot live without the Holy Spirit guiding your life. And so the Holy Spirit helps us with our problems. Can I get an amen this morning? The Holy Spirit helps us. But you know, He doesn't only help us with our problems. He helps us, secondly, with our prayers. Now, have you figured out yet that the prayer life is not an easy life? I mean, if you, have, if you have spent time praying, you have found that prayer is something that, quite honest, is it's a challenge at times. Look back in verse 26 again. The Spirit also helpeth our infirmities, for we know, we know not what we should pray for as we ought, but the Spirit itself maketh intercession for us. So when we look at this, the Holy Spirit, notice first of all, when, when He's helping us with our prayers, how's He doing that? He's instructing us. See, oftentimes we pray, and many times we even say, Lord, I, I, want, I want to know what you want me to do. There are times where I might, and maybe you don't either, we may not specifically know what God's will is. <laughs> 
We were out in California before we moved out here, moved here to Florida, and praise praise the Lord, God's delivered me from California. But but we were in California, and we thought that we were going to be there probably the rest of our lives, and we were happy doing what God had called us to do, and we were involved in the work of the Lord. And God began to move in my heart, and I did not know what the Lord wanted. And so I just started praying. Lord, what do you want me to do? Now, it's one thing to be out of the will of God, but I believe that we were in the will of God. Sometimes God, as you're in His will, God will begin to work in your heart. And I was, I was in the will of God, and, and, but, but the Holy Spirit was stirring in my heart. I did not exactly know what it was. And then uh, over a period of time, God began to reveal that to me. That God wanted me to go back to the pastorate. <laughs> so I, I, I love my pastor. I have, still to this day have a great relationship with my pastor. And I knew that he was not going to be happy whenever I took this news to him. But I'll tell you this, as a Christian, we should always obey every impulse of the Holy Spirit. God began to deal with me about it, made it clear what he wanted me to do. Now, I didn't know at this time, and you say, well, that's kind of a scary thing. I didn't know where. I didn't know what church. I didn't know what state. But God just said to me, I want you back in the pastorate. So I set up a meeting. I went to my pastor, and I began to tell him. And he began to tell me how I was making a mistake. He began to tell me how we were being used there. Now, I don't blame him. You know, it's, it's a wonderful thing when God begins to move, but you, a lot of times you don't want to see people leave. But over the course of meetings, eventually he realized this was God's will. And sometimes we don't know. We can't, we can't know the specific will of God, but the wonderful thing is, is that like in my life many times, and maybe in your life too, the Holy Spirit aids us. The Holy Spirit, He will help us to know what we are to pray. The Holy Spirit helps us to know how we are to pray. Look at Ephesians 6.18, praying always with all prayer and supplication in the Spirit and watching thereunto with all perseverance and supplication for all saints. So the challenge when we pray, listen, uh, don't misunderstand this statement. The challenge is not to pray a list. Now, I, I think that you should have a prayer list. Hopefully you do. That's not a bad thing. The challenge is not to pray a list. The challenge is to pray in the Spirit. There's a big difference. Anybody can pray a list, and sometimes our lists just end up being gimme, gimme, gimme. But when we, when we pray in the Spirit, we're praying according to His will. God, what would you have in this situation? The Holy Spirit wants to instruct us in our prayers. He instructs us, and He helps us during our prayers. And listen, God does not want your prayers or mine to be what the Bible calls vain repetitions. Anybody else grow up in a religious system where your prayers were all vain repetitions? You know what? Those prayers that we used to pray, they never got to God. God wants us to pray from the heart. The word vain means empty. And the Holy Spirit will 
instruct us as to what we should pray, how we should pray. John put it this way in 1 John 5, and this is the confidence, I like that word, that we have in him, that if we ask anything according to his will, what's those last three words? He heareth us. See, the key there is according to his will. How many times have you prayed, watch this, are you guilty like me? You prayed, but you didn't pray according to his will. So, Pastor, where did you learn that from? Well, Jesus said, not my will, but thine be done. See, we need to pray according to his will. Well, how do we do that? The Holy Spirit instructs us in our prayer time. And not only that, I love this, he intercedes for us in our prayer time. See, the Bible says here that he maketh intercession for us. The Spirit itself. Sometimes we see wording in our Bible and we just gloss over it. We don't pay attention to it. <laughs> you ever thought to yourself why he just didn't say the Spirit maketh intercession for us? It doesn't say that. It says the Spirit itself maketh intercession for us. By the way, I don't think we ought to tamper with the Word of God. God makes no mistakes. His Word is perfect. Amen? So, so here's the thing is, why did God say the Spirit itself maketh intercession? And why does the Bible say itself? Why doesn't it say himself? I thought the Holy Spirit was a person. Well, he is. But again, God's Word is so accurate that when you study the language, here's what you find is, is that the, the, the word Spirit is a noun that the gender of that noun is neuter gender. And I will tell you that the language God used to give his word originally in the New Testament, the Koine Greek, that language had nouns have classifications, they have a gender. But the gender of nouns has nothing to do with sex. I'm looking around this morning and I see male and female. Now the world's trying to create a neuter. Okay, but that's not the way God created a male and female. Can I get an amen on that? Okay, doesn't matter what the world does, doesn't matter what their operations do, God made male and female, and he brought the female unto the man, and that's the way God wants it to be. So as we think about this passage with the Holy Spirit of God, you see the Spirit itself. Well, the Spirit is a noun that is neuter. Again, it's just a classification of a noun. And so because you have to have, now some of you I know are not going to like this because you didn't do well in English grammar and you don't like it. Listen, you should have done better in English grammar, and if you didn't, shame on you, all right? But here it is. So here's your lesson for this morning. This is my teaching aspect. The spirit is neuter, so you have to have agreement. You have to have a personal pronoun that is a neuter personal pronoun to agree with the noun. So therefore, if the noun, spirit, is neuter, then the pronoun has to be neuter also. So that's why it says the spirit itself. So if the, if the word spirit was masculine, then it would be the spirit himself. If it was feminine, it would be the spirit herself. But it's neuter, so it says the spirit itself. Does everybody understand that? Okay, now watch this then why does it say itself? 
Well, the reason it does is because God used that to show the emphasis. The emphasis here is on the Spirit. The Spirit of God is the one that maketh intercession for you. See, that's one of the parts, the roles of the Holy Spirit of God. He intercedes for us in our prayer time. Prayer is a spiritual activity, and the devil hates it when we pray. People say to me sometimes, you know, Pastor, I'm just struggling with with trying to sleep. Does anybody remember when Jesus went to the Garden of Gethsemane with his disciples? And they entered the garden, and he told his disciples, hey, wait here and pray for me. I'm going to go over here and pray pray, pray with the Father, and I'll come back. What happened to the disciples? What happened? They fell asleep. So Jesus comes back after, after, after praying uh, sweat drops of blood. He comes back to his disciples. He sees them sleeping. He kind of wakes them up. He slaps them around. No, he didn't do that. Should have. But he comes back over to them, and he, he talks to them a little bit, and he says, hey, listen, I'm going to go back over. He goes back over. What did they do? What did they do? They went back to sleep. They were good Baptists, weren't they? Right? You see, in our weakness, that's what the flesh wants to do. People say, I I struggle trying to sleep. I tell people all the time, just start praying. You know why? Because the devil doesn't want you to pray. Because when you pray, you can come boldly before the throne of grace. And the devil knows that there's power in prayer. But the Holy Spirit, He makes intercession for you. I love this. When you look at this, how the Holy Spirit, look, there's no doubt when we pray, you and I will will face opposition. Because we have an adversary, the devil, the Spirit intercedes. I love this word. He maketh intercession. Let Let me talk to you about this word, intercession. It means to mediate or to plead on behalf of another. Now, who is the Holy Spirit? Can you answer it one word? Starts with a G, ends with a D. The Holy Spirit's God. So who is it that is pleading for you? God is. And who is he pleading to for you? To God. Are you getting it? So he's doing it on behalf of you. He's making intercession. Now, there's a, there's a neat word before the word intercession. Okay. You say, I didn't know I was coming for all this language this morning. Well, listen, it's the Bible, okay? So listen, excuse me for preaching the Bible. So here's the word. The word is maketh. All right, everybody ready? Maketh. Notice those last three letters on that word, E-T-H. I love the Bible. You know what you find when you see that E-T-H? The tense that that word is in is in the present tense. Now, don't listen, you have to understand the language. It's not like English. English is a messed up language. We were standing out there this morning. We were trying to decide if it was tomato or tomato, if it was pecan or pecan. I mean, we were, these, were, these were deep things we were trying to decide out in the foyer this morning. But when you think about what the Bible is saying here, he maketh, the Holy Spirit maketh intercession for you. Present tense is not like English. Like right now, I'm preaching the Word of God. That's present tense. You're thinking, well, hopefully in a couple minutes, 
it'll be you preach the word past tense. Some of you are thinking about that. Okay, tonight, 6 o'clock, I'm going to preach. I will preach tonight at 6 o'clock. That's future tense. Everybody with me? That's English, past, present, future. That's not the language God chose when he gave his word. So when you look at this word here, maketh intercession, it's in the present tense. What does that mean, pastor? Just get to the point. Here's the point. Present tense means it's a continual, ongoing action. It doesn't stop. So how often does the Holy Spirit plead on your behalf? All the time. It doesn't stop. It never ends. See, look, you can go to God. The Holy Spirit will plead on your behalf. It never stops. He is making intercession for us always. So in the New Testament, here's a neat thought as I was studying this week. We know that when we study the Bible, here's what we find out. Jesus is our advocate. He's our advocate with the Father. But you know what the Holy Spirit is? He's our intercessor. So we have an advocate in Jesus. We have an intercessor in the Holy Spirit of God. And we need to seek the Spirit's power and His presence when we are praying. And the Holy Spirit is able to listen to us. The Holy Spirit can intercede on our behalf to the Father. See, look, the Holy Spirit helps us with our problems. And the Holy Spirit helps us with our prayers. But listen, here's the third one this morning. We live in a very troubled world right now, wouldn't you say? I mean, you think about how this world continues to change. They want to change history. They want to take things out of the history books. They want to rewrite this. They want to change the, what the home is, the structure of the home. I mean, listen, the world changes and changes. So what do we need help from the Holy Spirit to do? We need the Holy Spirit's help with our perspective. We need to make sure that, that in life, in the Christian life, we have a biblical perspective. Well, how are we going to have that? Look at verse 27. The Bible says, and he, talking about the Spirit of God, he that searcheth the hearts knoweth what the mind of the Spirit, because he maketh intercession for the saints according to the will of God. So it says here, notice first of all, that God's perspective is revealed to us and it is through the prayers of the Holy Spirit of God. Now, there's three reasons why the prayers of the Holy Spirit are effective. Notice, first of all, that God knows, and God is the one that searches our hearts as only God can. Look, I can't know what's in your heart this morning, and your family and your spouse cannot know what's in your heart, but there's a God in heaven that knows what's in your heart today, and God is the only one that can know and search the hearts of man. But notice, secondly, God then knows the Spirit's mind, as the Bible says. He knows what the Spirit is, is going to do. And then thirdly, the Spirit prays, and how does he pray? He prays according to the will of God. Listen, the Spirit would never pray anything other than the will of God because he is God himself. And so we find that the Holy Spirit gives us an understanding in prayer. Notice also, not only is God's perspective revealed to us, but God's purpose is regulated to us. In other words, it is directed to us. It is controlled by God. Verse 27, again, the Bible says this. It says, because he maketh intercession for the saints according to the will of God. So when we think about this, somebody said it this way. I love this thought. Prayer is not me or you getting our will done in heaven. It is God having his will done on the earth. That's what prayer is. 
God, thy will be done. So God wants us to pray in the Spirit, as Paul instructed those in Galatians, so that, listen, God's purpose, as we prayed according to his will, could be directed to us. We would know what God wants for us. He helps us by his Spirit to be regulated in our prayer. There's a purpose behind it. It's stated in Ephesians chapter 1. Look at verse number 8. Wherein he hath abounded toward us in all wisdom and prudence, having made known unto us the mystery of his will. Notice that, having made known unto us the mystery of his will, according to his good pleasure, which he hath purposed in himself. Notice the purpose there. That in this dispensation, this present time we're living in, of the fullness of times that he might gather together in one all things in Christ, both which are in heaven and which are on the earth, even in him. So the Bible is telling us there in Ephesians chapter number 1 that we need to make sure that we're walking in the Spirit, that we're praying in the Spirit. Why? So that we will not miss the opportunity to know God's directed will for our lives. Folks, if we're not praying according to His will, we're not going to know what His purpose is, what His plan is for our lives. And so look, I hope you understand this morning how important it is to understand the role of the Spirit of God in our lives, that He helps us. He helps us in so many ways. He helps us with our problems, He helps us with our prayers, but He helps us with our perspective. Now, if you're here this morning, you have to understand this first. That the Holy Spirit of God helps us to know whether or not we're saved. The Holy Spirit of God wants us to know that heaven would be our home someday. And I pray this morning you know Christ as your Savior. Would you bow your heads with me this morning with our heads bowed and our eyes closed? You see, without the Holy Spirit of God, we cannot even be saved. Salvation is of the Lord. And I hope this morning you do know for a fact. Let me ask you this. Have you had a time in your life that you realized you were a sinner and that Christ came to give his life so that you could have eternal life? And the Bible says, For whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. Can you raise your hand this morning as a testimony? Pastor, I'm saved and I know it. Would you raise your hand? As a testimony of your salvation, I see hands all across the auditorium this morning. If you could put your hands down. If somebody was not able to raise your hand, in just a moment, we're going to give what's called an invitation. It's an opportunity for you to come. You're not coming to this church. You're not coming to me, the pastor. You're coming to the Lord. You see, Jesus said, I am the way the truth, and the life. No man cometh unto the Father but by me. The only way you can get saved is put your faith and trust in Christ. And so if you're not saved, why don't you settle it today? Today is the day of salvation. And if you are saved, are you walking in the Spirit? Are you facing problems? Problems too big for you. Do you feel so weak, without strength? You know what you need? The Spirit to help you with your infirmities. You need the Spirit's help so that you know what to pray, how to pray. And all of us this morning, 
need to keep our eyes on the Lord. We need a biblical perspective. And the Holy Spirit will help us because he is the spirit of truth. Jesus said you shall know the truth and the truth shall make you free. Would you stand with me this morning with our heads bowed and our eyes closed? The altar's open this morning. Why don't you come? Did you come this morning to meet the Lord? Spend time with the Lord? This morning, God, through His Word, has revealed so much about His Spirit to you. Where would we be without the Spirit of God? Some of you might just want to come this morning because you're facing an infirmity, a problem. You need God's help. You need His Spirit. Why don't you come? Whatever it is, let the Lord have His way. As Brother Kenny sings, why don't you come? Many have already come. Why don't you come and join them? If you need to be saved, we'd love to take the Bible and show you how you can know for sure that heaven's your home.